Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Kara Zelaya, and as always, I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, boyfriend, and the Nakatomi to my plaza, Dan Takaki. What up, what up, what up? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And to all of those who have been here before, welcome back. This is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal, it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That's correct. We love Christmas and we love Christmas movies. So we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not so favorites. Dear Daniel, what are we watching today? Today, for episode two of our opening of season two kickoff, we are watching the 1988 classic Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan, and it stars Bruce Willis as the titular Die Hard, <laughs> as it is hard for him to die in this movie. It also stars Alan Rickman making his big screen debut, Bonnie Bedelia, Reginald Val Johnson, and Paul Gleason, among a lot of other people. Wow, 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 wow. Just yeah. a star-studded cast. We of course had to do Die Hard because it is the like quintessential dad Christmas movie it seems like. Right and you know it's one of those movies where it's always up for debate is this a Christmas movie or not and we're gonna settle that today maybe. (laughs) Yes of course we are the reigning authorities on all things Christmas movies. Truly. As it is customary for most of the Christmas movies we watch you've not seen this movie before. Yes, I have not seen this movie before. And I just want to start off by saying I don't tend to like action movies. And that's just something that is going to cloud my judgment. But I have done my best to give this film a, a definite shot. But nonetheless, I, I have come to it with open ears, open hearts, open minds. Can't lose. Can't lose ever. Not once. So I I was excited to start watching this and I'm excited to delve into this episode. Yeah, but before we start, what did you think this movie was going to be about? Before watching this movie, I made a voice memo and Mm -hmm. in the voice memo, I said that I knew it starred Bruce Willis, that it took place on Christmas, that... This might be the one where he says, yippee ki motherfucker. I don't know if he says motherfucker, but... He does. Okay, good. I thought that this would be an action movie and that he might have a kid, that he jumps through a window, and that's, like, pretty much all I had. Yeah, and that's almost all that happens. All of that happens? Yeah. Well, I don't know if he... I guess he kind of jumps through a window. He definitely jumps through a window. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pushes a lot of people out of windows. Yeah, but there's he's hanging from a window at a number yeah. of points. Remember yeah. when he kicks his he kicks his feet through the glass? It he happens, jumps back into the building. Through you know a that immediately when there's any potential for when like, he's hanging on the fire hose from the roof. Oh yeah, that's the one part I remember him specifically jumping back in the through a window. The only thing with me, and again, open hearts, open minds, really giving this film a chance. I I want to say at the top of this that I think I like this movie, but I have a thing about like leg and knee injuries. I don't like to see them. It, like immediately, I will close my eyes if that happens. I also like don't love guns, so you know it was an interesting couple of hours. But, Dan, why don't you go ahead and tell the good folks at home what Die Hard is about? Absolutely. I can definitely do that. I think I should be able to do this pretty quick. Bruce Willis plays the titular Die Hard, a New York City cop 
called John McLean, whose wife and family live in L.A. because his wife, Holly, got a job with the Nakatomi Corporation, and their marriage is bad. Not they good. don't communicate very well. Nope. Uh, it's Christmas. They, I mean, they let you know it's they, Christmas. They never let you forget that it's Christmas. <laughs> tell, don't show. <laughs> tell, don't show. When it's Christmas in L.A., you can only tell. You can't. There's not much to show. Hans Gruber is a is a terrorist that's trying to take over the Nakatomi Corporation and steal bonds, like $600 million worth of bonds from the building itself. Hans Gruber is played by Alan Rickman, who's great in this movie. Yeah, like he is in pretty much every movie. Pretty much everything, right. Our second Alan Rickman movie. Yeah, yeah. I think this is our first repeat besides um, Macaulay Culkin because of Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, exciting. That's a, that's great. That's that's a fun one. Welcome to the Twelve Alan Days Pod Rickman. Universe, Alan Rickman. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, John shows up for a party at the Nakatomi Corporation to see Holly, and Holly is his wife. And when he gets there, terrorists show up, and he starts doing his thing and is single-handedly taking out all of the terrorists. Reginald Val Johnson is playing a cop in this movie who shows up and sort of helps John from the ground. He mostly just gives him someone else to talk to during the movie. He doesn't actually do a whole lot. He's just there. He's emotional support. He's emotional support for the movie. John's wife, Holly, is taken hostage along with all of the other employees. The other employees are all terrible. Yeah. It's an action movie. It's extremely graphic and bloody. It's a lot of lot of violence, a lot of visceral death in this movie. A lot of that. Eventually, it ends up as a showdown between Hans and John. And John wins, saves Holly. Hans falls to his death. And uh, that's kind of it. Well, then they... They work it out. Right, yes. Then they do work it out at the end of the movie. Well, I mean, they go home together. They, do they work it out? Who is to say? Find out in Die Hard 2. <laughs> Does Die Hard 2 also take place on Christmas? God, I don't think so. Oh, well, then we can't include it in the 12 Days Pod Cinematic Universe. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Some other things to note. All of the side characters in this movie are terrible. One of the main side characters is, like, the police chief played by oh, Paul Gleason, who's goodness. the principal in The Breakfast Club. And oh my God, he's so terrible. He's so bad. He's so bad. The only good side character in the movie really is the limo driver named Argyle, who's just kind of hanging out in the yes. parking lot below the building the whole time. We love Argyle. He's just chatting away on his car phone, oblivious to the whole situation. Just drinking and making plans. And he's calling the girls. He's calling the girls. <laughs> he's hanging out with like the giant stuffed bear that John brought for his kids. Yeah. He's, he's great. The FBI at one point show up and they're also terrible. I was scared when we started watching this movie because one of the few things I did know about this movie as well is that Andy Samberg character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine loves this movie. Like, it's like an ongoing bit on that show, how much he loves Die Hard. And I was like, oh, is this going to be like copaganda? But it cannot be a copaganda film when every person is horrible. All of the cops are bad. Yeah, it's even Reginald Val Johnson, who's like the funny side character comic relief, is the reason he's like there and able to help him because he's on desk duty because he shot and killed a 13 year old child. And they just sort of like throw that in at like the third act. And, and they're like, like, what? They give him like a redemption arc by killing one of the terrorists at the end of the movie. I just it's didn't weird. care for that. Didn't that care for was that, at all. I, that has not aged well. And it should never have been. Fine. Yeah. Somehow, though, the worst character of all of them is the newscaster covering this movie is like coked out of his mind. Yeah. And he's like going to John 
John McClane's family's house in LA and like breaking down the door to film his kids and like threatens <laughs> yeah, to call horrible. immigration on their their house oh, lady. Yeah, it's Didn't horrible. Love that either. No, it's so bad. I will say some good parts of this movie are when most of the movie John has a has a walkie talkie that he's able to talk to Hans through, yeah. and they just have a great banter back and forth. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of scenes of them together where they're just like just just hamming it up, and it's great. And I think. Well, I also want to say that another character that was horrible. But, like, rightfully so. I, I want to say that they're, like, bad people. Because some of these characters, like, further the plot. And mm-hmm. so they're not bad writing, necessarily. Oh, yeah. Everybody's performing well in this movie. Yeah, It's just, absolutely. like, they're written as bad characters. Yeah, exactly. Is the, like, Don Jr. Oh type... <laughs> You know what I'm yes, talking yes, about? Yes. There's someone who works with Holly, John McClane's wife, who is like trying to hit on Holly. He is literally coked out of his mind. Like he's yeah. doing coke in the movie and he looks and acts like Donald Trump Jr. And at one point tries to negotiate with the terrorists. And he's like, I negotiate million dollar deals before breakfast. And he's like every finance bro you have ever seen. (laughs) And it's, oh, he, he sucks so much. I hate him so much. Yeah, he's, they really are able to make a lot of unlikable characters. But, you know, overall, pretty good, though. Like, all of the, the terrorists themselves are... Like a pretty interesting group. I I liked most of the stuff they had with them, minus the like physical blood and murder that they very visceral. This is very much a 1980s action movie where it's like they used buckets of fake blood in this movie. Oh, goodness. It was nonstop. It's like they were like, it's a Christmas movie. How much red can we get on the screen? Honestly, that's probably what some of their thoughts were because I'm sure every reference to Christmas was was some sort of like cynical reference to be like, huh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> There's a scene where John kills one of the terrorists and sends him, sends him down on an elevator. And he says, now I've got a gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it just written on, on the guy's the dead shirt body. in blood. It's very, it's very, very specific and telling. But I don't know. Let's just get into it. What, what notes do you have for this movie? So number one on my list of notes is we should talk about the fact that Bruce Willis is kind of hot. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that first because that's all you were talking about during the movie. You were like, okay, I get it. <laughs> so like Bruce Willis, famously not my like type, you know, but I have seen him. I've not seen a lot of Bruce Willis movies because he tends to do action like movies. Like action movies like so I've seen The Looper. Die Hards. Yeah, I've seen Looper. I've seen Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And he's great in those. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I've seen him in other stuff, but I every time I watch him in something, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're great at this. Also, like, low-key, really hot. And I don't like action hero-y types. He's, like, ripped in this movie. My guy has nice arms in this movie. <laughs> <He's> absolutely <laughs> shredded through that, that undershirt that he's got. Yeah, he's super hot. And I just think we all need to take a second. To, to appreciate Bruce to Willis. Bruce Willis. 1988 Bruce Willis. I think especially for a lot of... I'm thinking of our male friends who we've had conversations with on who is hot and who is not hot. Mm-hmm. I could see how people would think that I don't think Bruce Willis is hot, but I just want to go on the record and that say, Bruce Willis is hot. Perfect. I also think that the character of John McClane, who desperately needs therapy and emotional counseling, mm-hmm. is 
likable. And I wasn't super expecting that. I was kind of expecting a sort of anti-hero, but... I mean, he is, but he's not, you know, he's, he's pretty likable, is extremely competent, which is also nice. And I didn't realize that this was like a bottle episode. Yeah. I thought yeah, that how, there like, would the be... whole thing takes place inside of the building. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes her, I love things that are self-contained. Yeah. And also in real time, like mm-hmm. even though the movie is a little longer than my usual 90 minutes that I approve of, I liked that. It went in real time. It didn't feel like it lagged. We did watch it in two parts because I was like, there's only so many bloodshed. So much bloodshed I can take. But I I thought that it was great. And that led itself to feel not like a play, but it just felt good and urgent. And Mm -hmm. I really liked that. I liked too, the terrorists seemed like they had a plan that they knew exactly what they needed to do and had prepared for a lot of scenarios. Yeah. If somebody pulls the fire alarm, you just call the cops and be like, sorry, it was a false alarm. We're just having a party. If a cop shows up, shoot them away as quick as possible. But the one thing they weren't prepared for was John McClane. <laughs> now all I'm gonna think about is how much John McClane and John McCain sound alike <laughs> and I'm just gonna imagine that his daughter is Megan McCain. Megan McCain back at it again on the podcast. I feel like I bring her up too much. <laughs> I've never I've never brought her up so. My father John McClane. You know as far as action movies go this I can see why this is go to this is a good action movie. It has mm-hmm. plot. It has characters. It's Alan Rickman is amazing Alan Rickman is so good one of the best scenes in the movie is where Alan Rickman goes up to the roof to check on a bunch of bombs they've set up to try and blow up the people that go up on the roof eventually and John McClane catches him at this point they've not met face to face so he doesn't know what Alan Rickman looks like and Alan Rickman can deduce okay this is obviously John McClane he immediately flips from like his like heavy German accent to like this like scared American accent of being like oh my god ah, who are you are you one of them <laughs> and it's it's amazing because it, John's like, okay, why are you up here? And he's right. like, he's like, I got away. I was trying to come up and see if I could see anyone from here. And John, and like, there's a moment where you're like, oh, John's buying this. Fuck. Right, right. <laughs> and like, he's like, all right, let's get you out of here. I need your help. He's like, okay, great. And then he does his like Hans Gruber smile as he walks away. He's like, <laughs> Severus Snape. <laughs> John hands him a gun and he's like, do you know how to use a gun? He's like, I- I've shot a gun before. <laughs> you fool. And he chose to shoot him and it's empty. And John McClane's like, you think I'm that stupid? Your John McClane sounds like George W. Bush. <laughs> no, it sounds like Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, this is probably fair. <laughs> yeah. Something that I wanted to note also about Alan Rickman, which, you know, tends to fall in the fun fact arena, but mm-hmm. I, nonetheless, I want to put it here in the notes, is that Alan Rickman didn't start acting until his 30s. Yeah. Which is so cool and so inspiring because it's one of those things where people hit 30 and they're like my dreams are dead I can't do anything literally Alan Rickman started started acting in his 30s and he had done stage stuff before he did Die Hard but still that is so cool and he's so great he's probably the best part of this movie yeah I thought the other fun thing about this was spoiler alert for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince sure (laughs) not in case case, in case you missed that one when Alan Rickman falls to his death at the end of the movie right it looks exactly like the scene oh, when Dumbledore yeah. falling to his death at the end of Half-Blood Prince they're both kind of like looking up being like Ooh. all days pod fam let us know is Harry Potter a Christmas movie can we squeeze it into a future season I think we could get the first one and I think the first one is the most Christmassy yeah well I mean the seventh one they're so sad at Christmas yeah and what is Christmas if not sad <laughs> I think the first one yeah. would be the one to do just because I feel like that one gets in rotation 
rotation on like the ABC Family yeah, Christmas yeah. specials. That's fair. That's fair. So if if we do Harry Potter in the first one, Sorcerer's Harry Potter and the first one. <laughs> Harry Potter, where's the rock? I found it. <laughs> then uh, magical beasts. <laughs> so many beasts. Harry Potter and the magical beasts. Where'd they go? Starring Eddie Redmayne. Uh, shit, there was one last night. <laughs> Harry Potter, I choose you. Oh my god. Yeah, one other note I wanted to point out too is this is a pretty diverse cast. All the main characters are white people, but all of the terrorists are not just disposable people of color. One of the main hackers in the movie is a person of color, and he's got a lot of like a heavy role in this movie. A lot of the supporting cast is just a really diverse cast, and it's it's good. I kind of surprised by that because it's a group of German terrorists, and so they they brought in a lot of folks for this movie, which I, I appreciated. Yeah, I really like that too. And again, as we said earlier, everyone felt really like flushed out and earned. Mm-hmm. Except for the killing the kid thing. God. Yeah, that felt unnecessary. Yeah, just... Just don't do that. Don't... I mean, like, accidentally shoot a cop in the leg or something. You yeah. know? Don't <laughs> kill a kid. It was like this really heavy moment where he was like, you know... I've been on desk duty for so long, and the reason is because my first day on the job, I shot a kid. And then <laughs> John McClane's like, shit. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Seems like a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Other than that, Reginald Val Johnson's amazing in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's, he's great. A, he's a great character in this movie. Yeah, other than the murder. But before we get into trivia, I would like to just ask, even before our rankings... Kara, do you think this is a Christmas movie? It is a Christmas movie. That's about where I lie, too. I'm yeah. not like, yeah. ha I got her. This is a Christmas movie. I'm not <laughs> one of those people. I will agree. I think, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. They, it has. What to, is a Christmas movie? Right. It has to be. Like They, they forced it so hard to be yeah. a Christmas movie. It definitely is a Christmas I movie. I am a big believer in like just killing a bit to the ground. Mm-hmm. T.S. Mayor. And they did it. They did it. Team Nomare. <laughs> it's not even Team Nomare. It's Team Nightmare. I will say, I've seen this movie before like a couple times, long time ago, because it came out in 1988, and I probably saw it when I was 13. Sure. And I'd always known people debated whether or not this was a Christmas movie. For whatever reason, it was not like ingrained in my head, the Christmas aspects of this, because right. I guess I probably didn't watch it at Christmas. Right. And so I was always like, why do people think this is a Christmas movie? <laughs> it's because they won't shut up about the fact that it's Christmas. Right. And so on rewatching it, I was like, oh, I get it. I don't think it has Christmas movie traditional trope themes but i believe christmas is a spectrum yeah and And so you know there's jingle bells in the score throughout the whole movie i did notice that like every time the music is playing there's some sort of like jingle bell sound in the background yeah they have to say over and over again like we mentioned that it is christmas because it's in los angeles and so there's no way of knowing it's christmas Mm -hmm. hard relate as someone who grew up in south florida it is impossible to know that it's christmas other than to just be like look lights it's christmas yeah and I wanted to point out another thing that I loved about Bruce Willis's character, and probably one of the reasons I find him hot, is that he's just like a cranky New Yorker who doesn't want to be in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets you going more than a, than a New Yorker not in New York. Yeah. Upset I just, that they're not in New York. I relate deeply, especially, and I know we have a lot of Los Angeles people on the pod who we love you, we love you, we love your, you love your life, and you know, your choices are yours. But I just love that he's just like, I mean, I don't love that he's not super 
super supportive of his wife, who's clearly killing it at the top of her game, whatever. Sure. Hate that. Sure. But him being like, LA, I was like, it's like Home Alone 2, where I was like, why would you go to Miami for Christmas? I, I don't understand. I will say, I get the going to Florida while you're in Chicago for Christmas, just as opposed to going to New York. You know, it's like, temperature relief-wise, it's it would be equivalent december is the start of winter you cannot be burnt out on winter already that's incorrect (laughs) that's not when winter starts in chicago winter starts in october regardless i thought that that was very funny and added another element i also love that they were just sort of like oh was he with the nypd like regional resentment which would seem played out if it wasn't a hundred percent true oh for sure yeah east and west coast rivalry is ongoing but the la new york city one is vicious and plays out plays out It's amazing. All right. So, Kara, do we have any fun facts or trivia ready for this movie? I sure do. So, the costume department had 17 undershirts in various stages of disarray on hand. Oh, that makes sense. Because it goes from just a white, clean undershirt to just dirt brown (laughs) within 10 minutes. And I'm like, there's no way somebody can get that sweaty all over that quickly. The white shirt must have had a, like, continuity person, just to be sure that this is the shot or that, you know, like, that Mm -hmm. that stuff is always so hard on sets. And the continuity team and the PAs on hand, props. Because that's... (laughs) Props. Props. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Willis received a then unheard of $5 million contract with this. That's so little money. I know. Now it's so little. Unheard of $5 million. Oh my goodness. And in 2007, Bruce Willis donated John McClane's undershirt, one of the 17 undershirts, to the Smithsonian Museum. So we can go look at it. Oh, I hope it's the clean one. (laughs) I don't. I hope it's a really gross one that... Like, this is disintegrating with bacteria. Yeah, that like aliens in the future will use to clone, clone Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As their like prototypical American man. I mean, that wouldn't be the wrong choice. No, that's. I think that's the right choice, you yeah. know? Some late 30s, early 40s white man balding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> with weird communication issues. Indecent, indecent enough shape. <laughs> so there's a famous line where uh what's his face says don jr yeah he says hans buddy and alan rickman's face is just sort of like quizzical like what what? why are you talking to me like this that line was ad-libbed oh so it is alan rickman's like actual (laughs) reaction what are you saying to me (laughs) apparently this screenplay was constantly being tweaked so a lot of the film itself was ad-libbed because they kept changing things around. There's not like a lot of specific dialogue in this movie. Well, when there is, there is. Yeah. I think that there's some really good talky scenes like we've mentioned with Hans and John. Yeah. But all of that feels like improvised. Well, I think that's just good acting. Yeah. You know, I think that they just made it seem very organic. I err on the side of giving screenwriters a little bit more credit than (laughs) they might be due. But... um, That's fair. I mean, I just... I'm like, how much screenwriting are you doing in a 1980s action movie? (laughs) That that was more my thought. Bruce Willis has said that his favorite role was always John McClane. Well, I mean, he's done it like, what, seven times now? I don't know how many diehards there are. I think there's like at least five. There has to be another diehard that takes place on Christmas. I could Google it, but I won't. No, no, no. We'll find out. Patrick? Patrick. (laughs) Let us know. Die Hard, Another Christmas. Another Christmas. There are five Die Hard movies. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) 
The line, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, is used in all five Die Hard movies. Yes, I did know that. That's the one of the most iconic cin- lines in cinema. The thing is, though, a gunshot masks the fucker part in the PG-13 cut. One of my favorite things about action movies that get aired on TV is when they, instead of, like, putting something over the sound or, like, bleeping out the sound, they just have a totally dubbed over other line where yes. it'd be like, yippee-ki-yay, hubber-dubber. <laughs> like, I remember specifically one one in, like, The Matrix is like, ah, you scared the cheese and crackers out of me. <laughs> Again, not to be this person, but the fact that we're like, guns, fine. The word fucker, never. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a whole, there's a shot where they do, they shoot somebody in the knees. Oh my and it's, God. like, closed up it's on so their knees. Much. And I'm like, knees couldn't possibly bleed that much. Well, you'd be surprised. Yeah, there's a lot of blood in this movie. If you're if you're uh, sensitive to seeing blood, I'd maybe stay away from this one. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't. While making this film, the cinematographer Jan de Bon got trapped in a lift, and that later gave him the inspiration for the opening scene of Speed, which he ended up directing. Oh, yeah, Speed. I've seen that one. Yeah, old Sandy. <laughs> Old Sandy. <laughs> we love her. <laughs> She's great. Speaking of Sandy, uh, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> One of the sandiest people I've ever seen. Clint Eastwood originally owned the rights to the novel Nothing Lasts Forever, which is what Die Hard is based on. Oh, okay. And planned to star in the film in the early 80s. Thank God he didn't. Yeah, I mean... Oh, that plays into the whole, like, cowboy thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And my last little fun fact Mm -hmm. is about Mr. Takagi. I'm sitting in front of Mr. Takagi, and Dan has said to me in the past that those are essentially, like... The same name. The same name because of the pronunciation in Japanese. So that's a little fun fact. Didn't love seeing Mr. Takagi just... Just brained, fully brained. Yeah, didn't love that, didn't love that. But appreciated a nice little kind of hearing of your name. Yeah, that was nice. I was Call like... Call me by Takagi. <laughs> you hate that. That's not going to make the cut. Whoops. Also never seen that movie, so... <gasps> oh, it's good. You can't watch it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you can't, but it's Made good. the right choice. I know. I read the room and I was like, not this guy. Not this guy. <laughs> and that's it for me on the fun facts front the old fff the old fff everyone loves that segment our favorite segment (laughs) all righty gang as we do every episode it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie as per tradition we base our rankings around the 12 days of christmas so out of 12 days of christmas how many days of christmas is this for you daniel so I bounced around this number a couple times in my head, back and forth, but I think I'm going to give this eight maids of milking. Eight strong maids. Eight strong maids. All of them are for John McClane and Hans Gruber. Yeah. They are incredible in this movie. They're, they're amazing. Good. You know, it's it's a Christmas movie. It passes that bar for me. Yeah. It doesn't feel too long. Mm. Some of it drags a little bit. It helped that we broke it up. I think yeah. it's a good action movie. It's one of the better action movies out there for sure. If you like action movies and haven't seen this, I I don't think that's a sentence I can say. <laughs> I don't think there's a person who likes action movies that hasn't seen this movie. But if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I'd watch it again someday. Maybe not necessarily at Christmas, but I'd watch it again someday for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Here for it. How about you? What are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this nine whole ladies 
dancing. Wow, nine ladies dancing. That's pretty high for me, for someone who doesn't like action movies. Yeah, that's surprising. So I was very uncomfortable watching a lot of this movie, but I have to understand that that is my bias and my own trauma. So like that, that's not on Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Do I think action movies are generally kind of overrated? Yes. Um, but I don't think this movie is overrated, for sure. which is good, right? Yeah. And although I know that I am not the target audience for this, and there's a lot of really problematic stuff that hasn't aged well, no one is supposed to be, like, good in this. Mm-hmm. And I'm at this place now with watching a lot of movies where I'm like, was I entertained? Was the plot good? Did I have a fun time? Did I have a fun time? Were yeah. the stakes there? Was it a Christmas movie? And for me, the answer is yes. Yeah, we were laughing for a lot of this movie. Oh, I yeah, it's like. pretty funny, too. Mm-hmm. So I also think that all of these nine ladies agree with me and think that Bruce Willis is hot. Mm-hmm. That's ten, ten whole ladies. That's who... ten, whole la- 10 out of 10 ladies being like, Bruce Willis is hot. I'll say it. The eight maids also agree. Yeah. So yeah. that's 18 ladies. That's 17 ladies. <laughs> no. Nine Ladies Dancing. Plus you. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, gals, non-binary pals, everyone agrees. Bruce Willis, here, uh-huh. hot. Yeah. So, yeah, I give it Nine, nine Ladies Dancing. I had, a, I had a good time. Um, I don't think I will actively watch this movie again, sure. but I think it would be the fun thing that I would have on at, like, the background of a Christmas party to be ironic. You know, it's one of those things where it'll eventually be on TV at some point and we'll eventually have a reason to have cable to watch tv maybe probably not <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> we'll be at my parents house and they'll, they'll it'll, it'll be, be on. on tv yeah and yeah. i'll be reading a book and it'll be on <laughs> my dad will be on the treadmill and it'll be on <laughs> this I is know. the ultimate dad treadmill movie i love that for steve yeah it's amazing so thank you so much for listening. We are only 71 days away from Christmas, and we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. So please share this with your friends and family if they haven't been already listening to us. Join us for part three of our season opening Christmas spectacular as we take a look back at the classic, definitely a Christmas movie, White Christmas. It'll be white, all right. It sure will. And as we say every episode, yippee ki motherfuckers, and Merry Christmas. Christmas.